If you would turn in the scripture this evening to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hands real high. We've got a, extra Bibles. You can use one of ours. And, and turn to Romans chapter 12. We began a few weeks ago on a series on Friday nights called Transformed. Transformed. And our main text is right here in Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans 12 and verse 2. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here he says there's something that will transform you and enable you to know the will of God. Are you interested in this? In the uh, New Living Translation, New Living says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you. Everybody said out loud, let God transform you. How's he going to do it? Now, when people think about what God doing an amazing thing in your life, oftentimes they don't think of their involvement. They just think, oh yeah, God could just send a lightning bolt of transforming power and wapo zappo and behold the new me. And it is his will to do an amazing, miraculous transformation with you and me. But it requires our involvement. Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Knowing, perceiving discerning, identifying, being sure of the will of God is a part of this. I became convinced in my early teens, teenage years, that if I could find out the will of God, I had it made. And I know that to be true today. Because I had already made up my mind, if I could find out and say, I know this is the will of God for me to do, I'm going to do it. And if I'll do it, I'm convinced he's going to bless me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to help me. And in essence, I'd have it made. Right? Well, here is the the key, if you will, of finding and knowing the perfect will of God. We need our minds changed. In the God's Word translation, he says, don't become like the people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. Then you'll always be able to determine what God really wants. Do you want to always be able to determine what God really wants in your life? What is good, pleasing, and perfect? Today's English version says it like this. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world. Now, let's just stop right here. When the Bible says don't do something, what should we do? Don't do it. What did he say don't do? Don't 
conform. Now conform means literally to fashion alike. Are there pressures, are there things at work in this world to make you conformable? To make you like everything around you? I mean, you hear people talk about peer pressure and other pressures and public opinion and politically correct and on and on. These are conforming pressures to mold you into a cookie cutter copy of everybody else. But the truth is, you're not supposed to be like everybody else. You're supposed to be different, very different from those who are not born again, those who don't follow Jesus, those who are not a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is to be a marked difference between you and the unsaved. And one of the big things that makes that difference is how you think. What you think and how you think. He said it would transform you. If your mind is renewed, if your mind, you change the way you think, it says it would transform you. That word transform is the word we get our word metamorphosis from. Like caterpillar to butterfly. Could you change that much? Now he's writing to people that's born again. They've already been born again. If you go back to the beginning of the book of Romans, he's writing to the saints that are at Rome. And he's telling born again people that they can be transformed. Yes. And how would it happen? By the renewing of your mind. How could you tell if you believed these great truths? You would not yawn when I read them. If you really believed that the Lord can and will change you into another person from where you sit right here tonight. Now we're talking about a better person, a greater person, a more glorious, just like Jesus person. How's it going to happen? Of course, it's going to involve his goodness and his power and his grace, but it's also going to involve us changing what we think and how we think. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you, Master. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Psalms and the 10th chapter. We asked the question in previous services, what is a thought and where do thoughts come from? What are they actually? It's something we are so familiar with. I mean, from the time we had any self-awareness or consciousness, that was with a thought. Whether it was a thought of, I want a bottle or I like popsicles, or or whatever, you had a thought. And until this present hour, I mean, you're sitting there, you might not be doing a whole lot physically, but you're doing something. 
And if you didn't understand English, then this wouldn't mean anything to you. But if you do understand the English language, thoughts are being conveyed right now. What is a thought? Words are simply thought carriers, thought vehicles. If the word doesn't convey the thought, it's a useless word. means nothing. Just letters strung together, what would it mean? Languages vary, but the thoughts are the same. But what is a thought? I'm saying something. You're understanding something. What is that thing? A thought. The same word, Hebrew word, is translated thought and also imagination is translated frame and make as well. Thoughts are not, they are not nothing. Thoughts are something. Thoughts have substance. Thoughts have spiritual substance. And thoughts are the framing of what's to come. Thoughts are the forms of what is to follow. God formed man from the dust of the earth. Let's just stop. Where was man before that? He was in the mind and heart of God. God formed Adam, formed man, his nose, his eyes, his ears, his fingers, his toes, exactly the way he saw him inside. He, we know how it works because he has made us in his own likeness and image. An artist, a potter, a painter, a sculptor does the same thing. Just with stone and canvas and lesser materials. But when a potter is forming a vase, before that vase is finished and drying in the oven, where was that vase? That vase was in the potter's thoughts. Well, can you say that what was in them was nothing? It existed there before it existed here. If it hadn't existed there, it would have never existed here. So you're going to say that a thought is meaningless and nothing? When it's where the pot came from. And we understand, according to Hebrews, what is it, 11.3, that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that everything you see and touch was created and made from things you can't see. Things that don't appear. Are y'all with me, friends? A very, very big part of who we are and what we are is what we think and how we think. Much bigger than we've realized. The reason why you're here tonight in church instead of somewhere else doing something else is the result of what you think and how you think. 
other people that could be here are not here. Because they don't think it's worth their time. They don't think it's valuable enough to them. They don't think the word would have that much impact on them or being in the presence of God would have that much change, cause that much change. They just don't think that. But you thought enough of it to drive a distance to even if you were tired, clean yourself up and get here and focus and pay attention, spend money, exert energy because of how you think. You think God is everything. You think the word is life. <laughs> Eternal life. You think the word will do everything. God will heal you and fix you and meet your needs and, and that the presence of God is the most amazing experience and place you can ever be. And you think right. You are right about what you think. I didn't say you're right about everything that you think. But you're right about that. Can you say glory to God? Psalm 10, Psalm 10 and 4 says the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. There are folks that go for years at a time and don't think about God. They have no interest thinking about God. God is not in their thoughts. And that is a huge part of what makes them who they are and what they are. Because if God is not in your thoughts, God is not in your life. And he is not influencing the person you are. If you have a godless thought life, you'll have a godless life. Remember in Romans 12, transformed by the renewing of your mind, the simple and powerful truth is change the way you think, change you. You change. This hasn't been real enough to us. If your thinking changes significantly enough, you change into a different person. This is amazing. Why? Because what you are right now was formed in your thinking last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, things, thoughts you got from your parents, grandparents, teachers and coaches at school or in university or in meetings or churches. The, all these thoughts, some of them you rejected, some of them you kept. But these thoughts, because when you came into this world, you were a blank sheet of paper. You didn't have a bunch of thinking and thoughts. You got these thoughts from people. And the reasons you do and I do what we do is because of how we think. And what we, why do we do this instead of this? Why do we go here instead of there? Why do we do it this way instead of that way? Because before we did it, we thought it. And we thought that would be a good thing to do. 
That would be a good major to take. That would be a good job to get. That would be a good trade and skill to learn. That would be this. Before you ever became that, you thought that. Maybe in the beginning, you didn't think it was so hot. But before it was over with, you thought to give years to that and learned and developed. But your thinking has led you to the point where you are now. And we have become what we are today, not what we have to be. No matter what you've become, doesn't mean you're locked into that. People say, well, yeah, but I, I just always thought. Well, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> you can change the way you think. Yeah, but I've just always believed and I've just always thought. That doesn't mean it's right. Look in Psalm 50. Psalm 50 in verse 21. The Lord says, These things have you done, and I kept silence. Just because the Lord didn't say anything, or judgment didn't fall on you immediately, doesn't mean he approved of it. You thought I was altogether such an one as yourself. God is saying, you did some stuff. You were some ways. I didn't stop you. I didn't say anything to you about it. And so you assumed that I was like you. But I'm going to reprove you. I'm going to correct you. I am not like you. Do people get to thinking wrong about God and how he is and who he is? And this is one of the biggest problems is that people, church-going people and unsaved people, think wrong about God. You know, just like this guy that caught Rob, and he thought we're charging people to come to church. And they had to fork up money to even come and be in the service and be a part. Now, that was never true. That never even came across my mind. And yet, he really did think that. So he thought we're that way. Well, see, people think all kind of stuff about God. They think he's that way because they heard a preacher say it or because they heard grandma say it or because they just come up with something on their own. They read half a verse and twisted it around backwards and misunderstood it. And so, well, that's how he is. And that's what he said. But he never said it. And that's not how he is. And he's never been that way. But you got all kind of people thinking he is such a one as they are and as they think you should be or he is. But we need our minds renewed. Are you hungry to have your mind renewed so that you don't think wrong about him, that you see him as he is and you know him truly and what you're thinking about him is right. Now, the only way you will get that is to have a willing heart. And to allow yourself to be immersed in his thoughts night and day and not just for a day or two or for a week or two or for a year or two. That's why he told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate in it day and night. Why? Because you do that and you're going to start learning how God thinks, what he thinks and how he thinks. And when you do that, you're going to start thinking like he does. You're going to become like-minded with the Most High God. 
And instead of being deceived and being all messed up in your thinking and thinking he thinks like you, you can get renewed and actually think like him. And as we do, it will transform us into different people. Transform us. Not just slight improvements, different people. Different people. Glory to God. Somebody say, thank you, Master. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You know, uh, God's thoughts revealed in his word show who he is as a person and what he is as God and what his will is and what his ways are. I remember I was uh, reading the Bible through from the beginning in the Old Testament as a boy, you know, for the first time. And I got into reading about David and about his mighty men and about the exploits and about the miracles. And, you know, the way the Lord helped him to conduct himself. I mean, he had an opportunity to kill his enemy that was making his life miserable and he would not touch him. He said, no, he's the Lord's anointed. Something could happen to him, but it's not going to be by my hand. And some things about honor and about integrity, and I couldn't explain it all, but I could tell something was getting in me. Something was changing my insides. I I, I could not try to explain it. But these are God's thoughts. And when you think his thoughts after him... And don't reject them. Believe them and receive them. They actually have the power to conform you to think like him. And if you think like him, you become like him. Because a huge part of what God is and who he is, is what he thinks. And how he thinks. And we have the privilege of having a book full of his thoughts. Now, see, that's why the enemy pushes so hard to try to convince people, oh, that's not, you know, divinely inspired. No, maybe out amazing poetry, outstanding life stories. No, no, no. This was not written of men's personal private interpretation. Holy men of old spoke. And it was written down as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is something beyond man's intellect. This is God's thoughts. God's thoughts. Now, if you don't have that respect for the word, you're in trouble. Because you can't get out of it what's there if you're an unbeliever. If you study the scripture to argue, to try to disprove God. I don't care how brilliant you think you are. It is a closed book to you. You'll get nothing of life. But if you'll open up your heart. The Bible talks about different states of mind. One of them is a willing mind. One of them is readiness of mind. And if you'll do that. And open up yourself the very thoughts of the Almighty who sits on the throne tonight in glory. Will come into your mind. 
and you will think the same thoughts God thinks. You will think in the same veins and same ways he has always thought. And those thoughts are transforming. They change you. As you meditate on what he said and you think what he has always thought and you think in the veins and ways, your insides are being changed. You are becoming someone else. That's the power of his words. Can you say, I believe it? Thank you, Master. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Lord was reminding me about this in recent days, about, you know, the uh, the way of thinking, let's say just in this country, in the U.S., the laws of our land, so much of the thinking about what's right, what's fair, what's not, it came from God. Now, a lot of it's been twisted in recent times, but this country was founded to be a Christian nation. Don't let somebody tell you it wasn't. It was. And I'll say something real bold, and it's not politically correct, and I don't care. But we don't need freedom of religion. We need freedom to worship the one true living God and His Son, Jesus. All the other stuff is a scourge on our country and can bring judgment and curse on us. You read what happened when they allowed the worship of other gods in their nation. There ain't nothing good about it. People say, well, we need to be open-minded and we just need to be tolerant. We've had problems in our country too. Cases where God couldn't fully protect us. Cases where God couldn't fully provide for us. Not because His arm is short. The laws on so many of our books. That's why the Ten Commandments were in the courthouses and all kind of stuff. And why in God we trust is on the money and it's just all over the place. You just have to be willing. You don't want to know the truth to try to turn it into something else. But the law revealed what's fair and just and right. I want to give you a quick example of it. You go to Exodus 22. And... uh, I'm going to read to you from another passage and then we'll, I'll make my way over there. You're going to Exodus 22. But I'm reading from Deuteronomy for a moment. He said, what nation is there so great who God has near to them as the Lord our God? What nation is so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? That's Deuteronomy 4.8. The law revealed what's right. And what's fair, down to details. And you do yourself a disservice if you never read the Old Testament. You need to read it. Because there are so many things in there about how God thinks. Our approach to Him has changed. We no longer need to sacrifice animals. We no longer have to try to go through a a priest. We have the great high priest and he's already made the sacrifice. Come on, are you with me? But yet what God said is still true and he's never changed. And if he thought that way, then he thinks that way. Now he doesn't need to change because it was perfect. 
And uh, he said, what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law, which he said, I have set before you this day. And uh, to even know what is fair and what is uh, right and good versus what is unfair. Where did we get the concept? How did we ever find out? Well, I learned from Mama and them. Well, where did they learn? Huh? Well, my his daddy taught him. Well, where did he learn? Going back generations. How did anybody ever have a concept of right and wrong? It was all over the map. Until God made it plain. And in uh, in Exodus 22, just notice this one little example. Exodus 22:14. He's telling them details about how to live. He said, if a man borrow aught of his neighbor and it be hurt or die and the owner is not with it, he will surely make it good. He'll pay for it. Verse 15. If the owner is with it, he will not make it good. He won't pay for it because it's a hired thing. It came for his hire. If he's paying for the man's time and the man brings his ox and his ox dies while working on his job, well, that's not his responsibility. But if he borrowed the man's ox and he's working the man's ox and the ox dies, it is his responsibility. Now, that doesn't mean you couldn't love the guy and help him get another ox, even if it was a rental job. But how would you know what's right in the situation? This kind of revelation is throughout the whole word of God. How to think. What's right? What's the right thing to do? What's the fair thing to do? What's the good thing to do? You wouldn't have a clue unless you got a hold of his thoughts. And the amazing thing is now being born again. And receiving the Holy Spirit, you got the author who penned this through the human instrument inside you 24-7. And even if you didn't know one scripture and you just got born again yesterday, if you'd follow the leading of the Spirit, he would lead you in line with that verse if that was your situation. And it might be years later, you'd find out about the verse and you'd think, well, that's exactly what he led me to do. Sit out loud, right thinking. Righteous thinking. God thinking. If you don't think like him, what needs to happen? You need to change the way you think. When you come up against you and he thinking differently, you need to change. Do you reckon you have arrived at total Christ-likeness in all your thought processes tonight? Well, then what needs to happen? Then the reality is that a lot of the way you think is not in agreement with him the way he thinks. As you sit right here, right now. Either that or you have already arrived at Christ-like perfection. Now, which one is it? Then where you sit and where I stand here tonight, there's a lot of stuff that we have thought even up until five minutes ago. That is wrong. And here's the problem. It's not just that it's wrong. It's that it's wrong and we think it's right. Y'all with me? See, if it's wrong and you know it's wrong, then you know to deal with it. But if it's wrong and you think it's right, that's what deception is. 
it's wrong, but you don't think it's wrong. It's actually contradictory to Bible verses, but you think it's Bible. It's in a disagreement with what God thinks, but you think he thinks just like you. (laughs) But this ignorance and deception leaves the door open to the destroyer in that area of your life. And that's why people keep having problems in the same area and are pulling their hair wondering why. Because they see no need to change that area because they're sure me and God think the same about this. But the truth is, he's never thought like that. And you're wrong. And the solution is for us to be changed, renewed in our mind. But for that to happen, we got to have a different thought. No, we've got to have some thoughts come in that slap us and go, hey, 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 <laughs> this is not right. What you and mama Nim and great-grandmama Nim have thought for the last 190 years has been, it was off the wall 200 years ago, and it's off the wall today. It was messed up then, and it's messed up now, and you got to change. And some of these things, my friends, Papa and them would fight you and beat you down over. And it was engraved in their preachers, and they were just sure it was God. And will fight you over it. And some of it is like cutting off a hand. It's like pulling out an eye. Because it's a part of who you are. And what you are. But it's a part of what's wrong. With who you are. And what you are. And needs to be removed. And replaced. And mine renewed. Are you willing? Let me go over again this real slow. Have you arrived at thinking 100% like God in every area of your life right now where you say, no, you have not? So what does that mean? That means there are multiple areas in your thinking that are wrong right now. Not right. And need to change. Been better if it had been changed 20 years ago, 40 years ago. When you were three years old. But but you can't. You can't change it any sooner. Than now. Are you willing to change. Anything that the Lord would show you. So come on put your hands up. And pray out loud with me. Say Father God. I desire this. Show me. Where you and I. Are not in agreement. In thinking. Show me. Anything and everything I have received, I have assumed, I have believed, I've thought was you, thought was the Bible, thought was right, and it's not. I want to know. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Give me understanding. Reveal it to me. I'll receive it. And by your grace, let me be renewed in the spirit of my mind and think like you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Did you pray it in faith? Are you expecting, expecting 
Do you believe that he desires? Is this his will? Yes. Count on it. He'll do it. Yes. He'll start showing you things immediately. Now when he does, don't get mad. Don't, don't get rankled. Don't get distorted and out of shape. Let him do it. Let him show you. Make sure you're not defending something that's not God. Watch about that. Go over to the book of Luke. While you go into the book of Luke, the 8th chapter, I'll read another verse to you while you go in there. Don't want to waste any time when I could get another scripture in. You're going to Luke 8. We read this last time I ministered to you on this. Psalm 139.17. He said, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Is that true in your heart? How precious are your thoughts to me. You know, you hear people talk about, boy, I'd like to uh, talk to this person or that that maybe has been dead for hundreds of years. I'd like to pick their brain. I've heard people say, you know, just uh, hear what they... No, i tell you who you want to know. Their thoughts. The Almighty. And the amazing thing is you can you can. And this book can be just dead letter and uh, King James English and mean very little or nothing to you. Or you can have a living relationship with him and he can speak to you right out of this book. He can speak to you right by his spirit and something can come up in you and you can go, wow. Wow. I never saw that like that before. You believe it? Thank you, Master. He would show us things we've not known were there. He would show us, oh my Lord. He he just said to me, he said, I would show you things previous generations missed. (laughs) Mm. I would show you things previous generations overlooked. Missed, didn't see. Hallelujah. And you know, some things have been lost. The first generation in the church, it was real. That's how they lived. But then by 500 years later, it had been lost. And the Lord hadn't changed. He hasn't changed. Just because people changed and lost things, He hasn't changed. Now think about the patience and mercy of God. He's wanted his people in the earth to think certain ways for hundreds of years that they lost. And he just keeps being willing and ready if somebody will open up to him to show it to them and bring them into it. But what we've already prayed is a significant part of us. This wrong thinking is in the way of the right thinking. It's in the way. It is taking up place in our life, in our values, our morals, our standards that should be occupied with the real. And the Lord will help us. We're going to have some things pulled out of us. And the glorious thing is it's going to make room for the real. Hallelujah. That's going to change us. That's going to make us different people. Better people. Luke 8, are you there? Luke 8, 
in this part of the chapter deals with the madman of Dara who ran through the cemetery screaming at night and cutting himself and you know that lets you know you hear nowadays about people cutting themselves where's that come from the spirit of God leads you to cut yourself never that's the devil and if people say well I can't help it that's a lie that's a lie how do people get to the place where they cut themselves? Before they cut themselves, what happened? Thoughts came to them about cutting themselves. And sometimes they might have went months and years and not cut themselves, but the thought kept coming back to cut yourself. And they just, and then the pressure, and then they just, you know, cut yourself, cut yourself. Where's that coming from? Who would bring thoughts and pressure you to cut yourself? That's the devil. Same one that was motivating the madman of Gadara to cut himself. Do we as born again believers with the greater one inside have to let the devil conform us into a self-mutilating foolish person? No. No. You're a child of God. Young person, teenager, adult, you are a born again child of God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And if something comes to you and says, cut yourself, you say, you cut yourself. I'm not stupid. I'm thankful for this body God gave me. I'm not going to scar it and deface it. I'm just so troubled and I'm so vexed. Well, honey, cutting yourself ain't going to make you feel better. There's peace in Jesus. That's what you don't. Cutting yourself is not going to fix anything. It's going to cause all kind of other problems. And I assure you, you're going to risk your hat enough. Don't do it. Some say, well, I have cut myself a lot. The Lord will forgive you. It can be behind you. Just quit listening to it now. Realize where it's coming from and stop it. Stop it. He was running through the cemetery Screaming, naked, naked, no clothes. And uh, he came and fell down at Jesus and Jesus set him free. And verse 35. They went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. They should have been glad. It's amazing when people see the power of God and they get scared. They should be glad. No more screaming idiot in the cemetery. (laughs) Naked jaybird. (laughs) Now think about this. If he's in his right mind, where was he earlier that day? He was not in his right mind. What does it mean not in his right mind? Now, we use that phraseology limitedly. But I want you to understand there are all kind of degrees of being in your right mind. Or being in a wrong mind. He was in such a wrong mind that he can't, he's not even living in public. He's not even, he's not holding down a job. He doesn't have a family. He's uh, running a crazy man through the cemetery naked lost his mind but how did that happen 
Before he was the madman of Gadara, he was some mama's baby. He was some daddy's son. He was somebody's brother. Might have been somebody's husband, somebody's co-worker. How did he become the madman of Gadara? Thoughts came to him. Nobody might have known it on the job or at home for months or even years. But thoughts came to him like that thought about cutting yourself. Thoughts came to him, perverted, wrong, distorted thoughts. And he thought on them and yielded to it until he became obsessed with that thinking. That means you think about it night and day. Does it matter what you think on? Well, if we think on what the Lord is telling us, we're transformed into being like the Lord. Well, what if you think on this ugly stuff, this evil stuff, this perverted stuff, will it also change you? It will conform you into being like the enemy. The enemy wants you to make a fool of yourself. Run around naked in the cemetery and try to destroy yourself and kill yourself. That's what he does. He can't just come in and force you to do something, but he can bring thoughts and bring thoughts. But do you agree we're foolish if we think them? If we sit around and think them and meditate on them, wouldn't that make us foolish? Especially a child of God who's got the greater one inside. And so now he's in his right mind. Somebody say right mind. How would you know you're in your right mind? Well, first off, he put some clothes on. That's a good one good indication. And he's not screaming through the cemetery. He's sitting quiet at the feet of Jesus with peace. When you get in your right mind, you want to be close to Jesus. Don't you? It even goes on to say that the Lord was told him what to do and go out and tell him. He said, oh, I want to stay right here with you. And when you get in your right mind, you want to be as close to Jesus as you can. If you think you don't, you're not in your right mind. Simple. That doesn't mean that you're lunatic. You can be different degrees, not in your right mind. And if you're not in the right mind or right thinking or right mindset, what needs to happen? You need to change. Quit trying to change all the outside. Change the way you think and the transformation will come in your life, in the outside. Just receive those new thoughts and those different thoughts and begin to think them and think that and think like that. And transformation, the scripture says, will result. He changed. I want you to notice, go over to, I guess, is it Matthew? Yeah, go to Matthew, the first chapter. I think we need to look at a couple of more of these situations. Now, was that guy a little bit off in his thinking? Or was he way off? <laughs> Running through the cemetery, naked, screaming, cutting yourself. That's way off. That's out there. Right? Aren't you glad you're not out there like that tonight? Thank you, Master. But if the Lord could take him and it within minutes... He's sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Then if you've been to a lesser degree out of your right mind, he could sure get you back easy, right? I mean, 
It doesn't matter how far you've been out of your right mind. He can get you right back in a hurry. In a hurry. Minutes. You can be right where you thinking like you need to think. And when you think like you need to think, life looks different. It doesn't look hopeless. It looks amazing. You heard the testimony of the lady. I mean, you could tell she was thinking about quitting. Thinking about quitting family, marriage, relationship, occupation. She was thinking about that and didn't look worth getting up in the morning to go to try to do. But now she's excited. She said it's better than it's ever been. And and yet she says not everything changed. She changed. She's thinking differently. And what changed her thinking? She said the word did. The word of God got in her and changed the way she thinks. So she's not just enduring daily life. She's enjoying daily life. Because she sees it differently. You see young people and older people as well. Get to the point where they think about suicide. Because life is not worth living. Why? Because my girlfriend broke up with me. Because my wife had an affair because my husband had an affair because they just don't love me anymore because this because that life is not worth living that's a lie that's a lie yeah but you don't know what they've done to me it doesn't really matter I know some things are hard to deal with I'm not saying that we don't care but you not being able to go on that is not the determining factor. The psalmist said, even if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Does he have the ability, if people fail you, forsake you, betray you, does God have the ability? Is he big enough to come up inside you, heal your broken heart, fill your mind, and not just help you to survive? We're not just survivors. We are thrivers. We are overcomers and more than conquerors. Come on, are you listening? Because that's how big God is. If he can get you to think with him. I know just in the last several years, my thinking is changing. 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 I'm so thankful for it. A lot of stuff that used to shake me. Don't shake me anymore. I just don't, I don't see it the same. What is getting bigger and bigger and bigger in me is how big God is. He is filling up my windshield. Do anybody know what I mean by that? I don't know that I've ever said that before. When something fills your windshield, what does that mean? That's that's all you can see. God is filling up my windshield. You think about. Get it? Think about. Think about. What kind of being can make a solar system? Can make the vast expanses it's challenging for us to even begin to try to wrap our mind around what's there. This is not figment of someone's imagination. Just go out and look up in the night sky. It's there. Look through telescopes. What kind of person can make that? 
What kind of person? And the same person made bunnies and puppies and kittens. Who makes a puppy? Everything that's in that puppy? Cold nose, waggy tail, floppy ears, wants to run, jump, slide by. That all came out of God. That was in him before it was out there. That's part of him. That's part of who he is. Solar systems and puppies. And everything in between. That's God. Curly hair and strawberries. The smell of vanilla. Chocolate. And alligators. The scope and breadth of his person and diversity, who he is, what he is, how he thinks, we will never begin to tire of it. It is so vast. It is so amazing. And you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to begin to tap into it. You can begin to learn more about who he is, what he is what he thinks, how he thinks. And I'm telling you, if you let him fill up your windshield, uh, people can fail you. People can mess up. People can hurt you. They can say and do things that they should not have done. But if he is filling up your windshield, you will not let it cause you to become hopeless. You will not. I didn't say you wouldn't shed a few tears. You wouldn't have to talk to yourself some. But he can be so big in you that if everything went wrong, you still have your soul anchored and he can help you see a brighter tomorrow anyway. Well, my friend left me. Well, he could bring them back. They could be a better friend for what was over. Or he could just give you a better friend. Or ten better friends. Do you believe he's that big? If you do, then you won't just roll up and curl up in the bed and cry your eyes out and say, it's no use. I just want to die. That's when God ain't filling up your windshield. You are filling up your windshield. And no wonder you feel bad. Looking at at all that sorrow and junk and problems and failures. If we would discipline our minds. And certain things we just would not let ourselves think. No matter how pressing or real they are. We just say no I am not thinking. I don't care how real. I don't care that it happened. I'm not thinking about that. If you'd do that, we would spare ourselves from untold pain. So much stuff we just wouldn't go through. And I'm telling you, the Lord is working that in us. He's helping us with that. That, that is happening inside us until we'll, we'll become different people. We'll become so strong. And people look at you and go, well, why aren't you crying? And do you need to take off work? And do you need to do this and that? And you go, no, I'm fine. That's right. And you really are. And they'll be amazed. They'll think, how in the world can you be fine? Because God is filling up my windshield. Everywhere I look, I just see solar systems and puppies. Somebody say glory to God. Go to Jonah, the third chapter. Jonah, chapter 3. Now, God sent Jonah 
to preach, which was his call and his job. And he's preached before, probably lots of places. But he sent him to preach at Nineveh. And Jonah didn't like Nineveh. And he didn't want to go preach in Nineveh. So he ran. He booked a uh, cabin on a ship, went for a cruise. <laughs> Get his mind off of his preaching at Nineveh stuff. The Bible said he fled from the presence of the Lord. How are you going to run from God? How are you going to flee from the presence of the Lord? I mean, you can take the fastest jet and go to the furthest remote island and hide behind a palm tree. And as soon as you get there, he's going to go, hey, (laughs) what are you doing over here? (laughs) You can't get away from God. He's everywhere. But that's what he tried to do. And uh, you know that he had uh, that workshop with the great fish and <laughs> Worked some things out in himself. And got clear on some on his goals, and <laughs> when that fish spit him up, he hit his feet and headed to Nineveh to preach. Like the Lord told him, you know, you can do things the easy way, or you can do things the hard way. So many choose the latter. But he did. He did exactly what the Lord told him to, which he did not want to do. But he did it, and he told them judgment was coming, and he preached it, and he preached it hot and strong, and then he went back outside on the city limits edge to watch and see the judgment fall. Because he's a prophet. And when he prophesies, it comes to pass. But, in verse 9, they all repented, and verse 10... God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he said he would do to them and he did it not. Yeah, but God said judgment was coming in X amount of time. Yeah, but he said, no, they changed, so I'm going to change. What's going to happen? See, a lot of things are not set in concrete, are they? They're not etched in stone. Maybe something was going to happen, but if they change, it can change. But... It made Jonah furious because his prophecy didn't come to pass. And when a prophet prophesies and it don't happen, well, then the word gets out. And your reputation. Is that Jonah the prophet? Yeah, I know. You heard that last prophecy he made? Nothing. Zippo. Nothing happened. That's bad for your reputation. False prophet. He could just hear the names now. Chapter 4, verse 1, just keep reading. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Verse 2, he prayed to the Lord. He said, I pray you, Lord, wasn't this my saying when I was yet in my country? For I left the home, for I took that cruise. I told you. I knew that you were a gracious God. I knew it, and I knew you were merciful and slow to anger and great kindness, and you would repent you of the evil. I knew it. Verse 3, I knew this is what happened. I show up over here, I preach my heart out, they repent. Okay, no judgment. Jonah's a liar. Prophecy's a dud. I knew it before I left. That's why I took the cruise. And so, Lord, I beseech you, 
Just take my life from me. Because it is better for me to die than to live. Now isn't this some of what we were just talking about? Is Jonah in his right mind? He's not. Is he thinking right? I want to die. Why does he want to die? Because his pride has been hurt. His reputation. Everybody at school will know she broke up with me. All the other kids will see that picture of that stupid hairdo. Everybody will know. That is not the end of the world. People that have been alive for a while, help me out. Is that the end of the world? It is not. Go have you an ice cream. Take a nap. You'll feel better. Right? It is not the end of the world. Come on, help me out. Is it? Older people, experienced people, help me out. It ain't the end of the world. Yeah, but I loved him. Mm -hmm. Much as you know. But you don't know much. And it's real. Now, I'm not saying it's not real. The pain is real. It's real. And caring about somebody and them not caring about you, it's real. And it's painful. I'm not discounting that. But it's not as bad as you think it is. I know it feels like it. I know it feels like it's the end of the world, but it's not. And the best stuff in life, you haven't even touched yet. Don't quit before you get started. But Jonah wants to, he wants to go. Lord, just take me out. Please. It's better for me to die than to live. That's wanting to die. Keep reading. The Lord said, do you do well to be angry? The Lord asked him a question. Are you doing well? Are you doing good? Is it right for you to be so mad? Do you have a right to be this mad? I mean, a thinking person would pick up on that, wouldn't he? And they would go, you know, I may not be seeing this the right way. When God asks you, are you right to be this mad? Why would he ask you, are you right to be this mad? Unless you ain't right. (laughs) And he's not in his right mind. Do you do well to be angry? But notice what he says. When you get worked up like this, notice what he says. Verse 5. Verse 9, excuse me. He said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Yes, I got a right to be. He's talking to God now. God. Why are you so mad, Jonah? You got a right to, why are you so mad? He said, I got every right in the world to be mad. I'm mad enough to die. (laughs) Now what had happened in the previous verses, the Lord, he's out there on the edge of the city, not in a house, not in in any shelter, and the Lord caused the gourd to grow. And the leaves to come up and it grew real fast and it provided some shade for him. So instead of just being out there with the sun beating down on his head, about to have a heat stroke, this leaf is over him and he's got some shade and he's enjoying it. But then the Lord let a worm come by (laughs) and just clip the little little vine and it died and wilted and now the sun's beating down on his head. Things can change quick, can't they? Sometimes it don't take much to change them in a big way. Verse 10, the Lord said, you had pity on the gourd, 
for which you have not labored. You didn't make it grow. It came up in a night and it perished in a night. And yet he's all concerned about this gourd and he's mad because his shade is gone and his prophecy didn't come to pass and he just wants to die. And God tells him, now come on, Jonah. You really? Should you really be this mad? You got a right to be so angry? This gourd that you are so upset about. Came up in the night, it's gone in the night. You didn't make it grow, you didn't do anything about it. And he said, in this city, Nineveh, there's more than six score thousand persons that can't tell right hand from left. That's little kids and children. And also much cattle. And what he's saying is, you're not thinking right. You're over here wanting to die, mad about a gourd. You're not realizing all these babies, all these children, lives have been spared. Whole city repented and missed judgment. And all you're thinking about is your reputation and this gourd. Was Jonah in his right mind? Jonah's a man of God. He's a real man of God. Called to God. God could have picked any number of any thousands of other people to send to do the job. He picked him. There's a reason why. And yet his thinking was so far off that he's gotten distracted and he's mad and he's upset and he's depressed and he wants to die. Can you see what the Lord did? He had to use an object lesson to get through to him because he was so mad. So he used a gourd and a leaf. And then the Gordon Leaf went away. Gordon Leaf? No Gordon, no Leaf. And he said, let me help you out here, Jonah. You know what I see? What did he say? Six score thousand little ones that can't tell right from left yet. And all these animals and all these people that are spared. That won't get judged. That's how he thinks. Now Jonah is beginning to pick up on how he thinks. Would it make any difference in Jonah wanting to die or Jonah being miserable or Jonah being upset if he could see it the way the Lord sees it? If he sees it through the Lord's eyes, if he thinks of it the way the Lord's thinking of it, his whole outlook, his whole perspective, and therefore all his feelings, his temper, his anger melts away. Come on, can you see it? His concern about his reputation is out the window. Joy begins to come because of a whole city and all these thousands and thousands of lives that have been spared. And instead of seeing the the ministry as a failure, he sees it as a total success. That God, yes, he's a merciful God. Yes, he wants people to repent. It's why he sent you to start with, because the Lord was wanting them to hear this message and repent so he could spare them. You're a success, Jonah. It worked out exactly the way the Lord wanted it to work out. What more do you want? Come on, can you see it? Difference between wanting to die and shouting. Being glad, being thankful. Difference between being in your right mind and being in a wrong mind. Everybody stand on your feet. Thank you, Master. 
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.